The following sermon was delivered to Christ Central Church in order to further our knowledge and adoration of who God is. We pray that it displays the hope found in Christ and strengthens your faith in Him. Well, this morning we continue our study together of our core values as a, a church. We... Um, Try to do this every so often. I believe the last time we did it was five years ago, so it's, it's time to do it again. Um, looking at the, the things that, that we as a church um, commit to, to do and, and who we commit to be, sort of structure them around this mission of us being a, a Christ-centered family on mission and what that Means and what that looks like, what that expression um, really becomes in our church, and so we're we're this week on our third out of five weeks, and um, we've we've dealt with what it means to be Christ-centered in in a way with authentic worship and doctrinal depth, and so the next two weeks we're going to look at what it means to be a family. We're a family on mission. What does it mean to be a family? And so this morning, we're going to talk about covenant membership. Covenant membership. Listen, this sermon is going to be a little different. Um, it's, it's very much different than a normal sermon that I preach. It's not necessarily wrong, though I, I struggle with it. It's, it probably wouldn't be good if it was the, the normal, you know, week-in, week-out diet of a preacher. It probably would not be good. Um, but occasionally, we, we find ourselves in, in a place like this. And that is that there, this morning, really isn't a singular text. For years and years and years, I start every sermon. If you have your Bible, would you join me here? Um, because that's what I want us as a church to do, to, to join together in God's Word on a singular text, and we work through it. Verse by verse. Uh, but that's not, the, that's not the case this morning. So don't, don't run me out. <laughs> out of here, I promise. This is not the, the, the normal. But it, 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 it does sort of demand us to, to take a more systematic look at the New Testament. A broader look at the New Testament. Because, because there isn't a, a singular text that says... You should be a church member. There's not a, a singular text that says this is what membership is. Uh, it would be way easier for me if there was. But that does not mean that church membership isn't biblical. And it doesn't mean that it's not there. Here's a, a way to, to understand it. And I'm in, I'm in no way equating these two things. Um, but it's, it's much like the Trinity. There's no singular verse in the scripture that you can go to that says God is three persons in one. But the evidence of the of the Trinity is unmistakable throughout the entire Bible. The same is true with church membership. There may not be a singular verse that says this is what membership is. This is what membership looks like. And this is the benefits of membership. And this is why you sh should be a member. But that doesn't mean that that. The idea of church membership isn't 
is it biblical? Now, there would be some who would say that. I've had people visit this church and, and say, well, we don't want to be a, a member. We don't think church membership is biblical. Well, then you're probably not going to fit very well here because it's one of our core values. Um, because we see it, we see it in, in the text. And it's important that as a, as a church, we, we get our, wrap our heads around it. We, we really understand it. Because it, it is something that isn't um, very common today. It's not, it's not something that's it's in, a, in a lot of ways very well accepted today. We're insulated just being in the South from it. But it is, even people who, who really, you know, think, yeah, church membership is a, is a, is a thing and, and, and it's a good thing, oftentimes even the way that it is expressed in their life and in within, the, within that body is, is not necessarily what the Scriptures have in mind. And I really think that the reason, the reason why we've got to look at it together is because we live in a culture that fears commitment. I mean, there, there is a major fear of commitment in our, in our culture. You see that sort of manifested in, in a lot of areas. I think one area in particular is just the, the continual um, furthering of the age that people enter into marriage. I mean, this is like the average age of someone's married now is into their 30s. It did not used to, to be that, that way. Well, what is it? It's a, it's a fear of, of commitment. It's, it's people that are afraid to commit to something or to, or to someone because of the fear that something better might come along later and they'll, they'll miss out on it. And so we don't want to make commitments Long-term, serious commitments. You see it in marriage. You see it in employment. Um, people, they, they want to keep their options open just in case. And unfortunately, this is becoming evident in the churches as well. Statistics show that in the Southern Baptist Convention, which we're a part of, that the average church has a membership of, of around 250 people. That's a membership of around 250 people. But that the average attendance is 70. Which leads me to ask the question then, well, where, where are these people? I mean, where, where are they? If the, if the average membership is around, you know, 270 and there's 70 people on an average Sunday, then where are the other 200 people? Is there a, a disconnect? What does, that, what does that mean for the church? Well, I, I think it means that the church as a whole has a very low view of church membership and a low understanding of what it means to be a member and why it is important for us to be members of a local church. People, some believe that it's, it's old-fashioned. Well, that's old-fashioned, you know. Um, some believe it's elitist, right? We don't want to be a member, you know, that church. You're, all you're being is, 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 is elitist. Um, well, you know, we're in and you're out of here kind of a thing. It's, it's really not any of that. It, 
it is, and what we see in the scriptures, that church membership is good and it is needed and it is biblical. And I hope we see that this morning in the text together. Before we begin to talk about uh, you know, covenant membership of a local church, I think we need to have an understanding of what the church is, because that's, that's maybe been lost in a lot of ways. The church is a body. That's what we just read, 1 Corinthians. The church is a body. It's a body of people who give confession Confession and evidence of salvation that comes by faith alone, through grace alone, to the glory of God alone. That's, that's the church. It's a body of people who give confession and evidence of salvation. I'm very specific with the language. The church consists of regenerate, born-again Christians. It does not mean that people who are not regenerate or who are not born again or who are not Christians cannot, you know, it's not that they can't attend or they aren't welcome, but the church, as it, its members, consists of people who have given confession and evidence of salvation and a salvation that comes by faith alone, through grace alone, to the glory of God alone. The church is a body that is the most common illustration and description used in the New Testament for the local church. And it consists of believers. This is why if we read the New Testament, we read letters that have been written to churches. They always are written to saints, to the saints at or to the elect at. Because it's written to the church, and the church is believers. The church is believers. The church is the ecclesia. It is the the called out ones. Called out of the world, called out of their sin, and called to the glory of God. Called together to form on this earth the visible kingdom of God. It is regenerate, born-again believers in the Lord Jesus Christ who have gathered together out of the world to be assembled, literally gathered together for the glory of God and His name among the nations, the visible representation of the kingdom of God on this earth. And it, it, the church then, therefore, by necessity becomes local. There's, there's, we think of the church, we, we, we need to think of it in two ways. One is the, the invisible church. And the reason why it's called the invisible church is because you can't visibly see it all at one time. It is all believers in all places. They are all forming the, the global body of Christ on this world. They're all a part of the invisible church. This is also called the Catholic church. Now, that is not the Roman Catholic church. You may see that language sometimes of, 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 of you know, one Catholic church. There's, there's some creeds that, that, that you know, uh, folks like us might even agree with that use that, that language of of. Catholic. Catholic is just universal. It's different from Roman Catholicism. That's, that's one way. 
But we can't, we can't only think of the church in those terms. The church is by necessity local. It's localized. That's what we see in the, the New Testament. These, these letters are written to specific local gatherings in local cities. I'll just give you a few examples. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth. This is a local specific body. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all of those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is born again believers. What you see in this, this, these two verses, you see the, the church local and the church universal expressed. It is the church of God that is in Corinth that consists of those who have been sanctified there in Christ Jesus and who are by extension part of all of the saints who in every place call on the name of Christ Jesus. But there is by necessity a local expression. Uh, same thing, 2 Corinthians. Paul, apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is at Corinth. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. This is, this is the local expression of the church. It is, it is local, it is called out, it is justified, it is sanctified. There is a visible local expression of the body of Christ, the kingdom of God in this world that is seen and experienced and lived through a group of believers who've been called according to the grace of Christ Jesus, and who have assembled together in a place for His glory. That's the, the church. Church, that's, that's what we are. That's what we are. So, why if then does there need to be membership? I mean, couldn't it be that we, we come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and we just gather together and we're here and I'm apart and, and you know, because I'm present and, and we're just, you know, t- together. Why does there need to be some sort of, of formal membership agreement? Why is that necessary? The way we say it here, and it's, it's uh, in, in a lot of ways, uncommon language um, in the church. It's really uncommon in... Um, Southern Baptist circles, though it's, it's becoming more common, that I'm grateful for, of covenant membership. Because we're, we're specific here. What, do, what is this covenant membership? And why is it necessary? When we say covenant membership, what we mean is that in order to, to, to become a member of our church, we give you this sheet of paper and you sign it. And this sheet of paper is the, the, the agreement to which we all agree on how we will live. That's, that's our agreement together. How we will function together. That's a covenant. How we relate together. The things that we say that we're going to accomplish together, how we're going to live and what we're going to do. The, the reason why this is necessary is what we will see in the Scriptures is because you, if there is benefit for membership, 
which there is. And if there's responsibility for membership, which there is, then there has to be a way to recognize who's members and who aren't, right? I mean, that's just, if, it's, if the church is necessarily local, localized, if it was only global, it's not necessarily needed, but if it's local, it, it has to, there has to be something there. There's, there's things that we're called to do that necessitate a formal recognition and agreement of who is a, a member of a church, who is a part of a church. You'll, you'll see that as we, as we move forward. This morning, I want to give you four reasons why church membership is needed in your life. Why church membership is good. And why you should be a member of a local church. I'm not saying you should be a member of only this local church. There's lots of good local churches. There's some that aren't so good, um, but there are lots of good ones. And why church membership is, is important. The, the first reason is for yours and my security. For our security. You see, what church membership does is it serves us. It serves the believers by putting in place oversight and accountability that helps keep us spiritually secure. That's what church membership does. It puts in place oversight and accountability that helps keep us spiritually secure. When we join a church in covenant membership and we say, I covenant together to do these things, what that does is it joins us together. It joins us with others who have agreed to keep watch over our souls. That's what we, we, that's what we say in our, in our covenant membership, that, that we are agreeing to keep watch over one another. This, this way we say it in our, in our membership covenant, that I agree to walk in Christian harmony and watchfulness. Giving and receiving assistance with meekness and affection. To pray for one another. To help one another in sickness and sorrow. To be slow to anger. To always be eager for reconciliation. Seeking it without delay. But we agreed together to be watchful over one another's soul. To give and to receive assistance. Church membership puts you with a group of people who say, I promise to care for you and to watch over you and to watch over your soul. Not, not only is that expressed, and that is expressed, and it is the responsibility of every member of the church, but it is also the primary task of an elder. God has, by His grace, set for you and for me, Men as leaders to watch over our souls. 
Men that he has called and men that he will hold accountable. Men that he has called to hold you accountable and to encourage you and to hold me accountable and to encourage me to watch over us through the teaching of the word of God and of of prayer. And I'm an elder here at this, this church, but that doesn't mean that I'm not under the authority of the other elders. That there are men that have been charged by God and by this congregation to keep watch over my soul. And our responsibility as elders is to keep watch over your souls. And we, we will be held accountable for those that we've been given charge over. How will we know who we've been given charge over? if there isn't a formal recognition of of membership. You might say, well, I I can, man, Jason, I really, I can do that on my own. I can learn on my own. I can read it on my own. I can read the Bible on my own. You know, I can get all of that on the internet, right? I mean, I I I can get all of that. I can go to the Gospel Coalition website and I can listen to some really good preaching and I'm really good. I don't, I don't need the local church. I, I just, I just want to ask a couple questions for that person. One is, do you, do you ever come across something that you don't understand? You, it never happens for you. That happens for me all the time. I come across something I don't understand. Guess what? I do. I say, Jacob, will you please help me understand what this means? Because I'm unsure. And guess what he does? He helps me. Now, if it was just Jacob's sermons on the Internet, you know, I, get, John, I can't call John Piper and say, hey, John, uh, can you help me with this? I don't got his number. I wish I did. I don't. Ty does. Ty has his number. You can ask him that. It should not surprise you at all. There he is back there. should not surprise you at all. Ty has his number. I'd love to call John MacArthur and ask him. I, I met him one time. I shook his hand. My face shone with glory for three days afterwards. <laughs> I don't have his number. I can't call him and ask him. I also just want to ask, like, do you honestly trust Google that much? Because I don't. No, what, what we need is the consistent teaching of God's word week in and week out by faithful men. You know, here we believe that that comes through the systematic exposition of God's word. So I just, you know, I like good preaching. And this preacher, he preaches really good over here. And this preacher, he preaches really good over here. And this preacher, he preaches really good over here. We've had these people. And so they'll be here one week and they'll be over there one week and they'll be over there one week. If you're just, if you have no commitment to a local church, and you're just, you're just hopping around. How in the world do you get the systematic, clear teaching of God's Word? You don't. You lose that. You miss much of what God's Word has to say. You miss a systematic, holistic theology. You miss that. Having that, sitting with that, week in, week out, serves as the safeguard of our souls. Church membership invites authority into your life. That's what it, it does. That's why a lot of people reject church, 
church membership because they reject authority. They, they, when you become a member of a church, what you're saying is, is I am putting myself, I'm willingly putting myself under the authority of the elders and the congregation. And then the elders and the congregation serve as an authority that I come under and as such, they watch over me and care for me. Church, that is a really good thing. As, as the people of God, we are under authority. And certainly, we're under God's authority. But He has dispensed that authority to the local church. The church is where God's authority is mediated. And it's done so through those who are faithful teachers of His Word, through those who have been called to be elders, and through the members of a church. Scripture repeatedly commands Christians to submit to their leaders. We just finished Hebrews, Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Who do you know who your leader is if you've never joined a church? And how do they know who they're keeping watch over if there is no membership? 1 Thessalonians 5.12, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. The only way to do that is to publicly commit to the members of a local church and saying, in effect, that I commit to listening, listening to your teaching, to the Word of God, to follow the direction, and to submit to your leadership. There is no way... The scriptural commands to submit to your leaders is, is ever able to be kept if you never actually submit to them by joining a local church. The, the, the clearest place in the scriptures, the clearest place where the church serves as a safeguard, as security over our souls is in Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18 cannot happen without church membership. It can't happen. Matthew chapter 18 is, is church discipline. That's where we see church discipline um, directed. Some people look at church discipline, they see it as simply punitive. That is absolutely the wrong way to understand church discipline. The goal of church discipline is never to be uh, punitive or, or just simply to punish. The goal of church membership is always to be restorative. It is always to be protective, not punitive. It says, Jesus, Matthew chapter 18, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained a brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. The goal here is that if I am in sin and I refuse to repent that there is a process and a pattern to call me to repentance. That is good for my soul. I have to have that. You have to have that. How do you have that? You have that by submitting to a local church in covenant membership. Go and tell it to the church. Who's the church? If there's no formal membership. Jim Eliff says that the worst thing that can happen to a Christian is not persecution, physical injury, or death. In many respects, these are the best things that can happen to us. 
Jesus said that we are blessed when we are persecuted for righteousness sake. Paul decided to take pleasure in infirmities for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Jesus said to his followers, my friends, do not be afraid of those who will kill the body and after that have no more that they can do. This makes perfect sense because the believer, for the believer to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. None of these earthly threats should hold any sway over us whatsoever. But there is one thing that should make us tremble, and that is the prospect of being overtaken by sin. Sin is what Christ suffered on the cross for. Sin grieves the Holy Spirit of God. Sin in the life of a true believer invites the discipline of the Father. And sin, if it, is, if it characterizes the life of a professing Christian, may indicate the profession of faith is false. I have to have brothers and sisters who hold me accountable and keep watch over my soul and my, my conduct and that have covenanted together to hold me accountable to the word of God for the glory of God. That is good for my soul. It only happens in church membership. It only happens in church membership. One reason is, is security. Another reason is fellowship. Fellowship. That's why church membership is good, because church membership invites not only um, security, but it also invites fellowship. Did you know that, that fellowship is more than just eating together? It's more than potluck dinners, dinner on the grounds. That real fellowship, koinonia, is a partnership. It literally is a partnership. It is a commitment one to another. This, this, this is vital to understand what church membership is. That church membership means that you understand that your commitment isn't just to an organization, but that our commitment is to each other. Our commitment is to you. Your commitment is to me. Hebrews chapter 10, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Galatians 6, brothers, if anyone is called in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him with a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you be tempted. Colossians 3, 16, let the word of God dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you were doing. Philippians 1, 27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Every one of those, every one of those commands is to consider how we can help each other, one another. How do you stir one another up? How do you rejoice with one another? How do you weep with one another? How do you restore one another? How do you teach and admonish one another? How do you encourage one another? Build each one another up. You do it by committing together that you're going to walk through this life with each other. Our commitment isn't to this organization called Christ Central Church. That means nothing 
but for the people. The church is the people. Our commitment is to each other. That is the the spirit of our membership covenant. That we will come alongside and help one another working together, encouraging one another, spurring one another on. How can you do this if you're not joined together with them? Becoming a member of the church, you are grasping hands with others who know you and are willing to be known by you to come along each side, alongside of each other. That there is in the kingdom of God no longer, you know, lone rangers. We don't follow Christ alone. We follow Christ together. Church, the Christian life isn't just about you. People who reject church membership. I would say they think that the Christian life is only about them. Listen, there's a whole bunch of sheep that God expects you to be a committed part in them becoming a mature disciple. That's that's the the spirit of what we read in Paul's letter to the church at, at Corinth. That you are a part, you're a member of a body, you're a part of a body, just like your arm is a part of your body. And your arm serves the rest of your body. Your feet serve the rest of your body. That that there is this necessary aspect of your life to come alongside and to help others, to partner with them in the advancement of their Christian maturity. That only happens through a commitment. Do you know why? Because they're going to sin against you. They're going to wrong you. They're going to hurt you. They're going to disagree with you. It's going to happen. And if there's no commitment, if there's no covenant to each other, we say, peace, I'm out, I'm gone. These people are, he, he hurt my feelings and I'm out of here. That is not the church. The church is a group of sinners who've been redeemed and reconciled and restored and regenerated by the gospel of Jesus Christ who say we commit together to dwell in Christian unity in spite of our own sinfulness and how we wrong one another. There are many here in this room that I've wronged. And you've been gracious with me. You've been gracious with me. That helps my Christian maturity and I'm grateful for it. That only happens in church membership. How can we do this if we don't have an agreed upon understanding of a covenant together? It can't happen. Then thirdly, the next benefit for us is is mission. You see, Jesus established the church to be a public, earthly body of believers that would mark out, affirm, and oversee those who profess to believe in Him. So Jesus established the church to be the primary means that publicly declares to the world that these belong to me.
And those that are that public display display together the good news of the gospel to the world. Does that make sense? The church, the church becomes those that Jesus says, they belong to me, this is my body. And those become the display to the world that says, this is who Christ is. That's, that's what the church should be. We should be, as a group of people committed to one another, a group of people giving watchfulness over one another's souls, a group of people who love and care for one another, a group of people who serve one another, a group of people who sacrifice for one another, a group of people who extend grace to one another. We should be, in our living together, in our commitment together, we should be a visible display of the gospel of Christ to the world around us. That's what we should be. This is what Jesus said, John 17. I do not, ask, do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be in us. Why? Why this unity? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. That we are the display of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was, Casey and I were, we had to go get some windows and some doors for the uh, mission house. Just a reminder, we'll take up an offering here in a couple of weeks for that. Um, and I, I, was, I was coming through Jemison, and it's just interesting. You know, you turn off Jemison, and right there where you turn off, there's a church, and then you just, on down the road, there's another church, and on down the road, there's another church. And I, you, ever thought, you ever wondered why that's the case in the South? Why there's so many churches? You know what my, uh, you know my theory is, because there was one that split. They didn't multiply. They didn't plant a church out of mission. They split because they got into a disagreement, and so now you've got two. And then they split, and now you've got four. Like this is. This is, this is not what God intended. The, the church has for far too long been too well known for its, its infighting and, and disagreements. No wonder people don't want to be a part of that. Why would I want to be a part of that? It's not what Christ prays for. It's not what Christ calls us to. Christ calls us in our unity to be the expression of the gospel in the world that he uses our commitment together for the sake of his mission in making disciples of all nations. Ephesians chapter 3, To me, though I am the very least of the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and to the authorities in the heavenly places. Jesus wants the world to know who belongs to him and who doesn't. And how is the world to know who belongs to him and who doesn't? They are to see 
which people it is that publicly identify themselves with his people in a visible public way. They are to look at the members of the church. That's why the church then by necessity has to give both confession and evidence of salvation. If you claim to be a part of the universal church, even though you do not belong to a local church, then you reject Jesus' plan for his church and for the world. You do. We gather together for the sake of the gospel to the nations because our unity together is a display of the gospel, but it's also because we accomplish the Great Commission better together. You want to know why we're Southern Baptist? Some people wonder, why are you Southern? You don't have it in your name. We're unsure. We're unsure what you are. Are you a Church of Christ? <laughs> um, we don't have it in our name. You know, we're led by a plurality of elders. There's just lots of things that are different. Southern Baptist churches. Well, that's because we're all autonomous. That's one reason why I'm a Southern Baptist. But I'm, the main reason why I'm a Southern Baptist is because it is the greatest missionary force the world's ever seen. It's the greatest missions force the world has ever seen. Because we cooperate together for the sake of the glory of God to the nations. That's why I'm Southern Baptist. We accomplish a great commission better together. That's what the church does. Having a high view of church membership means that you understand the role of the church in, in the mission of God as necessary and central. And then lastly, the fourth reason why church membership is good for us is because it enables us for ministry and for service. Every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ has been given a spiritual gift. This is what we read today. Just continuing on, if... 1 Corinthians 12, now if there are, there are a variety of gifts with the same Spirit, there are a variety of service with the same Lord, there are a variety of activities with the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Every believer has been given a spiritual gift. Why? If, if, if coming to faith in Christ empowers you by the Spirit with a gift from God, a, a, for what purpose? Why? And then where are you to use these gifts? Well, you're to use them in the church for the body. That's, that's what you're called to do. It continues, verse 12, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, the many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we were all made to drink of the one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand and do not belong to the body, then it would not make it any less part of a body. If an ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would, make it, would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would its sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would its sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as He has chosen. God has placed you in a local congregation and gifted you for the sake of that local congregation to serve them, to, to honor them, to... 
to come alongside of them for the sake of ministry and mission and service with your help, with your giftings that have been given to you according to the grace of God to serve the local church. How can you do that if you haven't joined and are not a member? Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. We are called to minister to each other using our gifts to build each other up and to build the body of Christ. Having a high view of covenant membership means that we understand that the church isn't a show where we are a spectator, but it is a place where we are gifted and called to serve. This is why church membership is important. This is why you must be a member of a church. This is why we have a high view of church membership and say these are the things that we agree to, to walk in and to keep. As a member of Christ Central Church, having been led as I believe by the Spirit of God to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, and on the profession of faith, having been baptized by immersion in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we do now, in the presence of God in this assembly, enter into a covenant with each other as one body in Christ. I therefore agree, by the help of the Holy Spirit, with the Bible, the inspired Word of God as our guide, to walk together in Christian love, to strive for the advancement of this church and the kingdom of God, to sustain its worship, its discipline, and its doctrine, to observe the church ordinances of believers' baptism and the Lord's Supper as authorized by the local church, to contribute cheerfully and regularly of God's tithes and my offering to the support of the ministry of our church and to the spread of the gospel to the nations. We agree to encourage personal and family devotions, to educate our children according to our faith, to seek the salvation of the unbeliever together, to be just in my dealings, reliable in my responsibilities, an example to those around us, to use my influence to combat such harmful practices by others, and to work untiringly for the advancement of the kingdom of our Savior by witnessing in words and actions that we agree to walk in Christian harmony and watchfulness, giving and receiving assistance with meekness and affection, to pray for one another, to help one another in sickness and sorrow, to be slow to anger, to always be eager for reconciliation, seeking it without delay. That's what we covenant together to do because that's what we see in the scriptures that church members are called to. I hope you understand that that's way more. And I'm, you know, I'm not talking bad about other places, but that's way more than somebody walking down an aisle and saying, hey, I want to join. The preacher's saying, hey, they want to join. Everybody want them? It's more than that. God's word calls us to more than that. That's why church membership is important. That's why you must be a member of a church. Let me ask you a question. If you're not, why are you not? Why are you not? Maybe you're looking for a new one. We're grateful to have you. But if you've, you've been a, in a church for a while, but you haven't covenanted together with that local body, why not?
What could be a right and good spiritual reason for that? I don't think there is one. You see, you were set apart by God to be known, to be loved, to be taught, to be led, to be supported, to be spurred on to godliness, to be on mission and to serve one another. If, if you are in the universal body of Christ, why in the world would we resist the local body of Christ? No local church is perfect. This one sure isn't. Being a, a, a real functioning member of a local church, it is not easy. It is hard. But it's worth it. Because Christ is worth it. His glory is worth it. His mission is worth it. My encouragement is, if, if you are a covenant member, my encouragement to you this morning is, maybe today it is, I, I need to reaffirm my commitment one to another, just in my heart. It's more than just coming on a Sunday morning. More than just serving once a month in children's ministry. It's being committed to one another for the sake of Christ and for his glory. Lord, would you help us be that kind of church that takes serious its commitment to you and to each other? It's a difficult task, it's a hard task. It is an impossible task without the empowerment of your spirit. So Father, would you help us? Would you help us really live out these commitments to one another, these commitments to you? To see our place and our role in the local body, the giftings that you've given us to serve one another for your sake, for your glory to the nations. Father, I'm grateful for these that have for years now come alongside of me and helped me. I'm grateful for the membership that holds us elders accountable, and I'm, I'm grateful for these elders, these brothers that hold me accountable. It is good for my soul. God, would you help us all have open hearts one to another so that we can accomplish the things that you've called us to. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to this Christ Central Church sermon series. To find our gathering location and more sermons, visit ChristCentralChurch.net.